Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Friends, we are ready to start. So I'd ask you to find your places. You don't have to listen to me, but find your place. <laughs> so welcome to, welcome to the Council of Public Affairs uh, this afternoon. My, uh, my name is Terry Shillington, and I'm honored to be the moderator this afternoon. So first, let me say the obvious things. Uh, put $11 in your basket, and somebody at each table, please count the money. Um, uh, shut your cell phones, please, and uh, prepare for a very interesting uh, afternoon session. Um, I want to thank our, our, uh, those, our partners in this uh, enterprise. Uh, uh, we are greatly helped by the support of Lethbridge University, and we appreciate Shaw Television and also the Country Kitchen, who uh, will uh, delight you in half an hour with some food. Anyway, it is my great pleasure to introduce our speaker this afternoon, Gary is the, uh, the uh, uh, president of the Grain Growers of Canada. He's uh, done some world traveling, uh, been in Singapore at a conference. He was in Hawaii this winter, and I don't know if there's a big grain industry in Hawaii, Gary? Uh, yeah. Um, but Gary is also a local man. He's a farmer from McGrath, an active member of the United Church there, a good uh, citizen in the community. He's married with four children. Uh, Two of his sons are, are in the farming industry with him. And I have an historical tidbit that um, will tantalize you, but uh, also remind you about the history of uh, uh, the, um, the, the, fa- the family farm. Gary's great-grandfather was the first Albertan to plant winter wheat. And he did that in 1903. So that gives you a sense of the... The history of this farm. So with no further uh, talk, I'd like to call Gary forward, and we look forward to engaging with you, Gary. Okay, thanks, Terry. Um, yeah, my, uh, it was my great-great-grandfather that planted it. And uh, when, uh, when they were in Cardston, uh, what they did is when he grew his wheat, that was like big money back then, so he'd uh, use it to... Uh, to, tr- to trade and to barter with people. Like some people had cows, but people lived in the city. Uh, like in Cardston, it was more important to get food than it was sometimes to have a lot of money. So he used to do a lot of bartering. But I didn't come here to talk about my family history. <laughs> but I got a question for you guys. You can't say, can't talk to your neighbors. You've got to pretend you're in grade school here. Which, uh, which one of these industries is the best economic uh, growth and also the best, uh, you know, like makes the most money for the Canadian economy. Is it lumber? Is it agriculture? Or is it oil? Okay, think about it. We'll answer that one later. But anyway, I'm on the Alberta Wheat Commission. I'm, I live in McGrath, as uh, Terry said. Um, I'm representative down in the Region 1 here with uh, Lynn Jacobson. He lives over by Vauxhall. Probably some of you know him. And I'll just get on with it here. One more thing I will mention. I got some of these books out front. They're from the Alberta Wheat Commission, all the paraphernalia, and uh, the Alberta Barley Commission. We've made a new magazine up. Maybe some of you get it, but I've put some on the table up there. And it's got stories about what we do with our checkoff money. 
Um, I was on the Alberta Wheat Commission. Many of you know uh, Brian Otto, Ike Lanier, uh, you know, Dan Stryker, Dan, uh, Brian uh, Noble. And uh, they started the Alberta Winter Wheat Commission, and then it got transformed in 2008. We made a motion to make it so it encompassed all of the all the grain from uh, all the wheat from Alberta to go into that. And uh, it officially started the same day that the Canadian Wheat Board became a, a non-monopoly. It became an open market, so it was very good timing on our part. It wasn't planned, but we wanted to have it so that we can work for the farmers and uh, you know help work on marketing, help work on research, plant breeding. We spend a lot of time at the Leopard Research Station, uh, the research stations across Alberta. And, uh, you know, we're producer-funded, producer-organized, producer, you know. Uh, so I'll just continue on here. Uh, there's five regions. I'll just go through this one quick. Uh, me and Lynn Jacobson are down here. Two other fellas in Region 2, 2 and three, four, five. We try and make it so that there's people like Henry Voss used to be on the Canadian Wheat Board. He lives way up in northern, north of Grand Prairie. So everybody has different concerns in the province on their wheat, you know, whether it's feed wheat or milling wheat. Um, Sixty percent of our budget we take in with the Alberta Wheat Commission. I don't know, I'm just going to say a guesstimate, four million dollars a year. So we have staff that works in the office with uh, Calgary with the Alberta Barley Commission. We have joint staff there. And uh, we and so that's most of our budget goes into research and breeding. We work with the WGRF and uh, we work with, uh, uh, you know, science clusters, wheat clusters, stuff like that. And then, uh, you know, the rest is administration. They made me show some of this stuff, so. <laughs> um, wheat's very important, like it's always been important for uh, Canada and uh, and. What we need to do in Canada is keep our wheat so that it's high, very high quality. We, have, we need to keep a good registration process. We need to keep it. When, when we're shipping our grain, the furthest to any, any other country in the world, like we're so far north and we're so far away from Asian markets, African markets and stuff, if we're going to sell our grain there, there's, there's other countries in the world that will uh, you know, outcompete us because of the price and the freight differential. So those are concerns we have. And then also, too, like uh, this year we grew the biggest crop, and we can't get rid of it, and I'll talk about transportation. But, uh, you know, eventually there's going to be a lot of people in the world, and so our goal is just to try and, and try and work on that, and that's Alberta, Alberta Wheat Commission. This picture here, what I was speaking down in Singapore about three weeks ago, and uh, everybody wanted to talk about Canada, how far away we are, how come we can't get our grain out? How come there's ships sitting in Vancouver and Prince Rupert to load? You know, if you're, if you're down there, you're like, what are you guys doing up here? How come you just don't get in your grain truck and take it and dump it in the boat? And so I talked about this slide for 10 minutes, but each one of those red dots is a unit train of grain. That's 10,000 tons. So you look at all the red dots on there, that's a massive amount of grain. That's just wheat. That's not counting canola, lentils, chickpeas, malt barley. You know, so like 75 million metric tons, and Ritz just put in legislation, they got to move a million metric tons a week, the railway, so that leaves us with 20 million left over. Mm -hmm. So I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but, you know, Churchill's up there, we'll take, we're going to try and push more, get CEN to push more through Churchill, and then also through Thunder Bay, they're gearing up already, and then we're trying to get, we need to get more out through Prince Rupert. 
Um, I farm with my uh, my wife. She's my best combine driver I got. And uh, my son's Matt. He's an agronomist. And then my other son, Sean, he's a, he's a heavy-duty mechanic. He works over here in North Lethbridge at a truck shop. And so I got a mechanic and an agronomist on hand. And then we hire seasonal help. But these are kind of pictures I take when I go to Asia and to Singapore to show people because they don't understand. Like when you're in Vietnam speaking and the biggest farmer there farms two acres, like they don't quite get it. Eh? So one of the analogies I used is I said that tires on that tractor there, to buy new tires to go on that, it costs $45,000. So if you're in Vietnam and they, their money's called a dong, that would be $8.5 billion dong to buy new tires to go on that track. And then seeding and harvesting, sustainability, if you read, read the caption at the top, by us direct seeding, we're kind of like a carbon sink. So you're putting, uh, you know, we're actually, uh, you know, using less fuel than we did when we summer followed, and also we're better for the environment. And then also the way that we harvest now, we, the combines and the trucks are more efficient. And so we're, we have to explain to the rest of the world that we're sustainable. The new ships that are getting built on the ocean are 84,000 84, metric tons. So, but these new big ships that they're building, these massive ones that haul grain, they will be one-third, they'll use one-third less fuel than the old ships that were 50,000 metric tons. So even then, they had to become more sustainable. So, okay, I'll go on to the, that was a little bit about uh, Alberta. Now I'm going to go on to the federal part of it. I'm, uh, I w I've been on the Grain Growers of Canada for a few years now, and uh, I was vice president, and now I became president. So I go to a lot of meetings, and I'll get into that. Uh, the Grain Growers of Canada, there's 14 groups across Canada. So there's like the Alberta Wheat Commission, Alberta Barley Commission, BC Grain Producers up in the North Peace, and then uh, Atlantic uh, Grain Council, Prince Edward Island, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick. They've formed one group because they're not as big a grain. And then uh, Manitoba, corn growers. So anyway, there's 14 groups. Uh, Ontario and Quebec are not members of ours. They used to be, but we had a little bit of philosophical differences. So what we do is we still work with them on a lot of issues. Uh, we'll work with them on research. We'll work on them with plant breeding. We'll work on them with not so much with the railways, but we still do a lot of work with uh, the people in Quebec and Ontario. It's just that sometimes you can't always see eye to eye. Uh, the people in, in Atlantic Grain Canada, or like in Prince Edward Island that's on our board, Michael Delaney, he's, I'm like, why would you want to belong to Grain Growers of Canada? But they have problems out there too, and they have nobody to support them because they're such a small industry. So if we start talking about railways, then we can take it to the minister and say, you know what, we got partners in Prince Edward Island in Nova Scotia that can't move their grain, and so you have to help them out. And then also our plant breeders in Lethbridge, they work on fusarium, they'll work on ergot, and they'll work on, uh, you know, more disease, wheat midge. They have those same problems in Prince Edward Island. So then our plant breeders will actually breed stuff here in Lethbridge, and then it goes and uh, helps them out in uh, Prince Edward Island, Nova Scotia. Uh, I'll, the, the five committees we have, I'll try and be brief here, that we work on with the Grain Growers of Canada, research, which is like plant breeders, we'll get it from other groups, uh, marketing, transportation, I'll talk a little bit more about in a minute, but sound science and sustainability. The sustainability part of it is we want to do things efficiently, use less fuel, you know, be better to the environment. But the sound science, I want to explain to you, that's biotechnology, that's GMOs, that's, um, you know, hybrid wheats, 
those are issues that we're going to have in the future. Whether we like it or not, other countries are already working on this stuff. So we have to be at the forefront to understand it, to work with it, and see where it's going to go. Because, you know, there's a lot, like Europe, they say we don't want any GMO products, we don't want any GMO stuff in, in, you know, in Europe. But yet they don't mind taking in our feed grains and our, you know, livestock feed that's all GMO. So it just depends on what's important to you. I don't want to get into that all. We can talk about that one all day. Please write down your questions. I can argue with you later about it. But uh, that's what we do with the Grain Growers Canada. We work, we, all the groups bring our information to us. Right now we're working on transportation big time, so everybody comes in, what it affects them. You know, corridors, they can't get the oats out of Winnipeg down into Minneapolis right now for the Cheerio plant for a Quaker oatmeal plant. So what are they doing? The, uh, Minnesota, they're bringing in oats from Scandinavia around on the Atlantic Ocean up the Mississippi and putting it in their plant because we can't get it from Winnipeg to Minneapolis. It's just crazy. So those are things that we have to work on. Okay, um, when, the, when the Canadian Wheat Board didn't become a monopoly anymore, you can still sell to the Canadian Wheat Board. And I know this is important to some of you here because a lot of you used to be farmers and you understand it and you didn't want to see it go. And I'm okay with that, you know. But the, but the commissions that started now, like the Alberta Wheat Commission, you know, Saskatchewan Barley and Wheat Commissions, they just got going. They're going to help to fill some of these voids. And uh, when we, uh, we've, we formed like the Canola Council, there's the, you know, and then the Cereal Council just got formed here a week or two ago. And the Cereal Council, they're going to be working on exporting or like uh, help marketing the wheat, help making sure we have good qualities of wheat. So, uh, you know, the farmers are filling more of a void that, than they used to be. The Canadian Wheat Board used to look after everything. They looked after the railways. They looked after marketing our grain. They looked after it all. But now, with this, with this giant crop we have, people say to me, see, if the Wheat Board was still in place, none of this would have happened. And I'm going, like, if the, if the Wheat Board would have had a 30% bigger crop than they had in history, they would have a problem, too. But also, too, right now, is that grain companies, if you go down to Sweetgrass or you go down to Shelby, just drive over there and look, they're building massive elevators, they're building massive fertilizer sheds, they're building massive uh, railway lines bigger. They want all of our grain from southern Alberta to go down there to them because they know we have good quality products. They put it on their trains, and away it goes to Portland or overseas. So they're gearing up. They could see that when the wheat board monopoly was going to end, they're going to they're going to take that void. And so that actually you know helps us to make sure we're going down, and also the farmers are getting a higher price for it. I, I know I could talk about this stuff all day. This is all I do. Eh? And my phone rings constantly, but the, we still work a lot with the Canadian Grain Commission. They're a quality assurance. They work on mitigations. If I have a sample of grain, I take to the elevator. I say it's a grade one, they say it's a grade three. I can take samples, send it to the Grain Commission in Winnipeg. They say, yep, it's a grade two. We both, we're in the middle. And then the Canadian Grains Institute, that's who I went with when I went down to Asia in November. And they take the samples, like all the farmers are supposed to send samples to the Grain Commission and to the uh, SIGI. And then they take it and they mail it there in their little mills and then they know the quality of it. Then they have a new crop mission I'll talk about in a minute. And that goes, they take that down to uh, the other countries and show them what qualities and what we have. In, in Australia, they grow lots of wheat. In India, they grow lots of wheat. But it's not as good a quality as what we have. So a lot of these big mills, what they do is they'll buy part of ours and they, just, and they uh, mix it in with it. So I'll, I'll tell you a few more facts when we 
get on. But we still work a lot with uh, the groups. I get to go to Ottawa quite a bit. Once in a while, I take my wife with me. But you've got to put in a picture of... I think that what the schools should do is they should have it so that one time in your lifetime, every kid or every adult has to go to Ottawa and see the apartment buildings and see where your money goes to. It's pretty cool, right? So if you get around to the back and see the library, it's awesome. Eh? I know some of you have been there, but someday just go on a trip there. It's pretty cool. Okay, another thing that we work on with the Grain Growers of Canada is LLP, low-level presence. And so that would be like the Triffid Act, Triffid Flax issue that happened a while ago. So we'll work with the ministers, we'll work with uh, grain companies, we'll work with CFIA, we'll work with uh, Ag Canada, and we'll try and help solve these problems. MRLs, um, you know, uh, maximum residue, that's if you were, if, if say, when you go to spray your malt barley and uh, you got some weeds in there and you're just about ready to harvest it, you can, you can pre-harvest it, spray it, but you're not supposed to on some crops, so then it has a residual on there so that like your malt barley when it goes to malt plant it won't it won't sprout as good so like those are things that we have but when you ship that grain to other countries they have they can do testing on it and they can do it into like the billions into the trillions they can test it so if they find anything on there so we have to work with the other countries from the federal point of view is this where where do we have a limit do we have 0.05 do we have 0.005 so that's uh LLPs is like grains in there. Like say a ship takes over a boatload of, of corn from the United States over to Asia, and then they come back and they take a boatload of our wheat, and the guy never cleaned out the corners on the ship. Well, then, of course, it's Canada's fault because our wheat's got some corn in it. So those are concerns that we have, and so we work with those. CETA uh, um, and uh, WTO, uh, Comprehensive Economic Trade Agreement, that's the one with Europe. And then WTO, we work with those. There was a meeting a month or two ago down in Bali that the ministers were at there. Those are continue on things. We don't have the agreement made with Europe yet, but we will right away. And then uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership, we're trying to work on one around the, around the Pacific Ocean. So that includes Japan, China, New Zealand, uh, Chile, Costa Rica, and up this way. And so we'd have some kind of a trade agreement there. But, of course, the stumbling blocks are with Korea is is they you know, there's cars built over there and the unions down in southern Ontario they don't want to see the cars come in and then like with the dairy producers they don't want to see the cheese come in or the lamb come in you know from you know, New Zealand so those are things that there's a lot of different play just in grain and those things and then um, you know the science sound science those are things that we can always continue to work on which is GMOs biotech and stuff like that so um, the biggest bumper crop, uh, I get asked to do interviews all the time, and so the Globe and Mail came did an article, and that's the old elevators in McGrath, if you guys recognize them there. But, uh, you know, we just produced a big crop this year, and the cold weather, um, you know, the train said, oh, we can't get through the mountains and stuff. It's not that they haven't had them here for 100 years, but um, the but at the terminals, like 90% to 100% capacity, so if you go to the elevators in Leftbridge or in anywhere around here, like they're almost always full. Like if they say, okay, there's a call, the, the trucks, you'll look, they're just lined up there. So, but the railways have got to get it out of here faster. But then also with the port, they've got to be able to unload it and get the cars back out of there faster. So those are things we're talking with the port authorities about. Is, is, uh, is there units getting too old? Can they load the ships in time? Can they load the big ships that are coming in? And then also, you know, uh, you know, 
it, it's a major uh, economic hit for us farmers when we can't move our grain. You're paying more interest at the banks. You're paying on your cash advances and stuff like that. So it hurts the farmers financially. Um, so with the railways, what we do is I get to meet with the railways. I get to meet with, uh, like, the head people at Burlington Northern when I was down in Washington. I said to him, what's going on? Like, how come you guys are moving your grain faster? And he says, don't ask the farmers down here. We're not moving it any faster than you guys are. But he says, you know, if you guys are so concerned about it, why do you keep leasing us your locomotives? So what uh, Hunter Harrison did is he went and says, okay, let's streamline it, got rid of a whole bunch of people's jobs, and then he uh, took the locomotives and leased them out to Burlington Northern. And so if you go down into the States and drive around, you see CP uh, locomotives driving around down there. So we're saying to him, why don't you bring them back and help get rid of our grain? We can get into, you know, financial obligations and all that stuff. But uh, what Minister Ritz has done here just lately is, is that there's going to be penalties that are going to be enforced. It's going to go through the third reading in the House of Commons tomorrow on Bill C-30. And uh, you're going to have uh, so that, that right now the railways can't be penalized. So if they didn't move any trains tomorrow, so there had to be some kind of legislation put in. There's like a service level agreement that was done in 2012, but after this big crop, it's brought every little nook and cranny to a head. Why aren't you moving oats out of Winnipeg to Minneapolis? Why aren't you keeping Prince Rupert full? And why aren't you keeping Vancouver full in the winter? Like, there's no trains going to Thunder Bay, so let's move them this way. So from my point of view, I have a combine. I use it two months of the year, and it sits in the Quonset the rest of the year, right? But a locomotive, they're saying, well, wait a minute here. We have 400 of them or 1,000. I don't know how many they got. But they have all these. But unless they're all going, they don't think it's economically you know, viable. So I'm saying to them, well, why don't you go get your 100 locomotives, at least to Burlington Northern, bring them up here in the winter, and help take more cars. If you can only pull 85 cars, then have more locomotives going and get more going. It's all to do with safety factors and the airflow and the, you know, the, the cold air on the, on the air connectors on the trains that's what the problem is but uh they said to us well yeah but then we got to hire more people to pull them and you know drive them and then we got to hire you know and so if you looked at it from a strictly business point of view for them it's not viable to do it but from a farmer's point of view it's like get your button gear let's get her done so so that's what uh so that's what we do that's a lot of what we're working on right now is and we, we do a lot of work with, like, uh, you know, Minister Oltz and our ag minister here and uh, with Minister Stewart in Saskatchewan, uh, our ag ministers, you know, with the federal government. So anyway, this is what uh, just got put through here is, is that Minister Ritz made a legislation in that you have to move uh, a million tons a week between the two railways. And uh, this Bill C-30 that's going to be passed uh, tomorrow, he got put in it, which was pretty surprising to me, but... Uh, uh, he got in service level agreement that the, there's going to be some penalties to the railways. And seeing that Bill C-52 that's going to be started on this coming summer, that's when you're supposed to be able to put in the penalties. So I know for some of you that don't uh, do a lot with farming, but but I want you all to understand that uh, we're trying to do what we can, you know, from the political point of view. If the railway, the railways are private sector, it's almost like you guys, if you have your own private business, you know. Who are you to tell me what to do? And so what we're trying to do is, is work with them and say, and I, when I talk with the railways, I meet with CPC and the head people. I say to them, why do you make us go through this grief? Just move our grain, you know, get, your, get, your, get it in gear. 
And then, uh, you know, our Alberta Wheat Commission, you know, by the farmers actually going to these meetings and speaking about it and, and make, letting them understand, even with the media that's out here today, they're just like, really, we didn't know that you guys did that. So that's kind of our goal. Um, we're the seventh largest uh, wheat grower in the world, but we're the third or fourth largest wheat exporter. In fact, when I was down in uh, Singapore, there was a guy there from India speaking, and he says we grow 93 million metric tons of wheat a year. India does. 90, okay, okay, so Western Canada, we grow all crops 75 million metric tons. All right. In India, they grow 93 million metric tons of just wheat. Not nothing else, right? Because India is more down in that climate where it'd be like the United States, right? But they consume 89 million metric tons. So they only export 3 or 4 million metric tons. But what they do is, is in a lot of these countries where it's very warm and stuff, when they're harvesting, they'll export it, and then they'll import it at another time of the year. Where Canada, we just put her out 12 months of the year. So just so you understand, like Ukraine too, like uh, Ukraine uh, ships out... 70 to 80% of its grain in July, August, September. 70 to 80%. Like, there's no way physically possible that Canada could even do that. And then India ships it out in August, September, October, a little bit later in the year. And then uh, Australia, they ship out 70 to 80% January, February, March. So actually, in the whole world, if, there was, if nobody shipped a, a kernel of grain for three months, the world would run out of grain. But the world says, no, we're good with three months. You know, we... With, if there's if there's an excess three months, we're good because there's always somebody else coming on side. Five minutes. Okay, I better get my get going here. I was over in uh, November. I was over in uh, went to eight countries in Asia with Europe and I mean with uh, Siggy and uh, we we went to Vietnam and in uh, Malaysia. We went to uh, Bangkok, Thailand. We, we do interviews. I mean meetings with all the with all the grain buyers and stuff. But we had a half a day off when we were in uh, in in uh, Saigon, or they call it Ho Chi Minh City, and we took a boat ride up. About four or five of us wanted to go, and we went to the Chu Chi Tunnels where the Vietnam War was fought. And that guy was standing there, and he says, "Okay, this is where the tunnel tour starts." And we're standing here looking, like, "What are you talking about?" And he moves a little tiny piece of bamboo with some leaves on it, and that's where the tunnels start. And I was just like, "What are you talking about? I can't even fit in there." Right, but you see how small he is. Like that fellow in the blue shirt on the on your uh, right, he's only like five foot three tall, but he's broad shouldered, little Irish guy. And seeing those other guys, how small they are, and they just drop down in there, and they the tunnel's about this deep, and then it goes down in, and the tunnels are this big around, and there's two hundred miles of them. So when you're thinking of a tunnel, like when you're going to you know, you're going into a, to the coal mines over in, in Frank Slide. You know, like they're big tunnels, right? These things, they crawled on their bellies and went through them. And so that one kid says, I'm going to go down in there that was on the tour with us. And he went down in there, and as he was going along, he could hear these things hitting him in the head. He had a little flashlight, and the bats were hitting him in the head. But it was so claustrophobic when he got out of there, he was just freaked. He was just freaked right out. And those, some of those people lived in there for, for, two, for like two years. They never saw the light of day. They'd come out at night and go harvest their crops and get food and stuff. So anyway, I could tell you stories about that, but that's for another day. But and then when we were in uh, it, when we were in Indonesia, this Bogusari mill—it's the biggest mill in the world. It, um, they mill 10,000 tons a day. So a unit train of grain a day they mill. 
So if you go over to Allison's, they mill probably like, you know, what would they mill? Two or three carloads of grain a day. These guys mill a unit train a day. And uh, that ship there is a 75,000-ton Panamax vessel. You can see how big the golf cart is there that they were taking us around in. And those grain vacs on the top of it, they suck out that ship in three days. They can empty the ship with all the grain in it. And then if you go over here, like on Crow's Nest Trail, uh, car, or like the Cargill ATL elevator, it's those cement silos. There's two wide and there's six long. Over here they have three wide, 25 long, and there's three sets of them. Like it's unbelievable. Like you have to have golf carts to even get around. Like it covers like it, the mill is so big it covers blocks and blocks. Eh? But there's 25 million people in Indonesia, but also too they uh, ship to other countries there too. Now, one more thing I wanted to mention to you while I was talking about this is that in, um, uh, when I was there, I said to them, they were telling us about their CP, they use 13% Canadian hard red spring wheat in their, mil, in their blends. So if you, um, they'll get some Australian wheat, they'll get some Ukraine wheat, and then when they make their better qualities of wheat for breads and cakes, then they'll use 13% Canadian. So I said to them, well, how much winter wheat do you use and how much CPS wheat do you use? They said, we don't know what you're talking about. And so we talked to him some more, and then I said to the guy from Sigi, well, you're explaining this to him. But the Canadian Wheat Board forgot to tell him that we never sold winter wheat and CPS wheat. They only told him about CW, or hard red spring wheat. So just a little fact. And then I went to, uh, I went to uh, Asia, uh, Singapore about, uh, about three weeks ago and spoke at this. It's a, there was 37 countries there. And uh, we talked about, um, uh, you know, grain exports. But every other speaker that spoke in front of me said, you know, Canada's logistical problems, you should buy more grain from Ukraine, or you should buy more grain from Russia, more grain from Australia, and stuff like that. So I changed my whole speech around. So that's why I talked 10 minutes on that slide with all those red dots on it. Because I had to explain to him that, you know, we're going to work on this and make it better. But the guy from Bogusari Mills that spoke there, he says to me, if I put a boat in Vancouver and it sits 15 days in demurrage, he says, I'm okay with it. 30 days in demurrage, he says, I'm getting upset. Like, what are you guys doing? 45 days in demurrage, he says, okay, where, where should I be sending it to? And should I ever send one there again? So this is what the, the comments I take back to the Minister Rate and to Minister Ritz. Here's a picture of the Singapore. These ports in Singapore, they're just massive, eh? Those container units there, the big ships come in with the container units from China. They, uh, they uh, unload them all, put them on smaller ships, and then go out to Myanmar and to other smaller places like that. But it's just like a zoo there, and, and it's pretty neat to see this, how efficient these people are at moving everything. And then the questions, you have to wait till later because Terry's already standing up kicking me out of here. So anyway, that's all I can tell you. <laughs>